Welcome to This Week in Astrology. This is episode number 320 for the week of July 15th, 2013. This Week in Astrology is the free podcast that deepens your astrological wisdom. We always start with the coming week's astrological forecast and regularly feature listener emails, recorded listener consultations, and interviews with other astrologers. Make This Week in Astrology a regular part of your astrological education. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from the virtual location of thisweekinastrology.com and the physical location of Asheville, North Carolina. We have a long show for you this week. We had two shorts prior, and I'm catching up to get back on format. Uh, we start, as always, with the forecast for the next seven days and a preview of the following week as well. Then we're going to have some very brief announcements, and then we get into our meat of the show, our live listener consultation with Samantha. Samantha has questions about her spiritual awakening process and how to more fully make a living from her passions of modeling, acting, and life coaching. And she also wants to know about uh, what kind of relationship opportunities might be on the horizon. We discuss all that and more in our 70-minute live listener consultation. So, settle back, relax, and let's dive into the forecast. Let's start with what's old. We've got a waxing moon. That Jupiter-Saturn-Neptune Grand Trine is active through August 16th. We have a T-square also, Mercury-Uranus-Pluto, that's running through July 29th. We've also got another Grand Trine in the air um, with Mars, Saturn, and Neptune. That runs through August 1st. And then we have a lot of retrograde planets, including Mercury through July 20th, Pluto through September 20th, Juno through September 24th, Neptune through November 13th, and Chiron through November 19th. But what's new this week? Well, the theme for this week is Prosperity Peak. An extraordinarily powerful manifestation opportunity radiates abundance with the peak of the Jupiter-Saturn-Neptune Grand Trine. And this is reinforced by the climax of its supporting Mars-Saturn-Neptune Grand Trine. Mercury retrograde ends, opening a 48-hour initiation window, and Uranus retrograde begins. Free your mind with a peaking Mercury-Uranus-Pluto T-square, and proceed with caution as a volatile Mars-Uranus-Pluto T-square fires up. In other words, a lot of intense stuff happening this week. So let's go day by day and give you a simple breakdown on how to make the best use of these energies. On Monday, July 15th, the only event is the moon going void, and that happens very late in the day at 11.19 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. We then move along to Tuesday, July 16th. That void ends as the moon enters Scorpio at 10.25 a.m., U.S. Eastern Time with the moon in Scorpio. Uh, there may be a mood of intensity diving into the depths, maybe a little more juice for a cult or sacred union practices or all sorts of other things that might involve diving into the depths. Also today we have Venus quintile Saturn. That's with Venus at 23 Leo and Saturn at 5 Scorpio. Magical assistance is available in your relationships, creativity, and finances with Venus Quintal Saturn. With Venus in Leo, this aspect can also lend support to creative performances. 
Finally, on Tuesday, we have a Moon-Saturn conjunction just smack up at 7 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, both planets around 5 Scorpio. And that means that the evening might have a little more serious tone when the Moon and Saturn make conjunction. There's more of an energy of seriousness, productivity, responsibility. So if you need to get some practical stuff done on Tuesday night, you've got some lovely energy to support it. Sometimes Moon-Saturn conjunctions lead to a little bit less energy, uh, maybe a touch of melancholy or depression. Maybe that's urging you to handle some introspection activity and move inside yourself a little bit. Feel what's up for you and decide on your plan of action. On Wednesday, July 17th, uh, we have two events involving Vesta. Vesta squares Saturn and Quincunx's Neptune. Uh, with the first, uh, Saturn is at 5 Scorpio and Vesta is at 5 Leo. On the second, Neptune is at 5 Pisces and Vesta is still at 5 Leo. So with Vesta square Saturn and Quincunx Neptune, you might experience challenge or confusion relating to a selfless cause you were devoted to. That would be Vesta. But this is also the perfect time to clarify your vision of how you want to contribute to this worthy venture. And with Vesta also contacting both Neptune and Saturn, the two key players in Law of Attraction. Neptune says, I visualize, and Saturn says, I crystallize. Um, nice time to hold the vision of how you want that thing you're devoted to to play out in your life. Next up, Uranus turns retrograde. This is happening at 12 degrees, 31 minutes, Aries. So Uranus turns retrograde today here on July 17th, and it's going to be exactly five months long. It will go direct again on December 17. So reflect on what's unique about you and how you can serve the collective with your special gifts. Planets are most powerful when changing directions as Uranus stations again at Aries 12 degrees 31 minutes. Its energy will be felt with special power by everything between 9 and 16 degrees of all the cardinal signs. Those would be Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. Does Uranus aspect sensitive points in your natal chart in these ranges as it stations? If so, stand ready to embrace paradigm shifts in the life areas represented by these points. This is especially true if you get an intuitive flash, Uranus's calling card, requesting the shift. Next up, we have the big event of the week, the Grand Trine of Manifestation. An equilateral triangle formed by Jupiter, Saturn, and Neptune peaks today as Jupiter forms exact trines to Saturn and Neptune. This is the most perfect manifestation moment I have ever seen in the sky. Are you not yet doing law of attraction work to manifest what you want in your life? Then I would start tomorrow. Aha, that would be Thursday after 2.22 p.m. Eastern. That's when Mercury goes direct. If you're already visualizing, some extra effort today could pay major dividends. You still have another month to work this energy. This grand trine will be in effect until August 16th. If you want to learn more about using this grand trine, then go to this blog entry on my website, astroshaman.com, and there's a link that says learn more about using this grand trine. There's also a link to the law of attraction work phrase, which you can read my super simple write-up on the law of attraction and how to use it. Alternatively, just go to the search box in the upper right corner, type in law of attraction made simple, and you will quickly come across my really short and sweet article on that subject. I mentioned there were also Jupiter trines today. Uh, let me give you the coordinates on those. The uh, Jupiter trine Saturn 
um, is Jupiter at 5 Cancer, Saturn at 5 Scorpio, Jupiter trine Neptune, Jupiter still at 5 Cancer, Neptune at 5 Pisces. So these aspects have additional meanings beyond what I've said in reference to the Grand Trine. A Jupiter-Saturn trine can powerfully boost productivity, discipline, and accomplishment. The Jupiter-Neptune trine can amplify your ability to attain deeper states of divine consciousness and receive fresh creative inspiration. We have a little bit of a breather here on Thursday, July 18th. Uh, Just a couple of lunar events. The moon goes void at 7.13 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And not long after, it goes into its next sign at 1.55 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The moon at that point enters Sagittarius. Excellent energy for celebration, euphoria, joy, expansion, foreign cultures, religion, philosophy, meaning of life. All that stuff is Sagittarian and is all supported while the moon is passing through that sign. On Friday, July 19th, one event, Saturn, Trine, Neptune. Saturn, 5 Scorpio, Neptune, 5 Pisces. Your law of attraction work receives another boost as Saturn trines Neptune. These planets, along with Jupiter, of course, form the grand trine of manifestation that I've been talking about, which peaked on July 17th. Let's check into the weekend. We open Saturday, July 20th with a void of course moon at 11 a.m. on the nose. And then we have Mercury turning direct at 2.22 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time at 13 degrees, 21 minutes, Cancer. Mercury retrogrades since June 26, turns direct, as I said, at 2.22 p.m. here on Saturday, July 20th. The decks are now clear for new initiatives and major purchases. However, new ventures are best started under a waxing moon. And it's waxing now, but since it will go full in 48 hours, that would be on July 22nd at 2.15 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, I do recommend proceeding promptly if you're going to get something started or if you're going to make a major purchase. We have a lot of other things happening here on Saturday, July 20th. The moon is going to resolve the void it started the day with by moving into Capricorn at 2.39 p.m., U.S. Eastern Time. As a reminder, that void started here today on Saturday at 11 a.m. Moon in Capricorn says, let's get serious and productive and responsible and mature, and let's make good use of our time, and if necessary, let's get all introspective and reflective. So those are some of the energies you can use positively with a Capricornian moon. Also today, we have Mars making two trines. It's trining Neptune and trining Saturn. Let me give you the coordinates, and then I'll tell you what it means. With Mars trine Neptune, Mars is at 5 Cancer and Neptune's at 5 Pisces. With Mars trine Saturn, Mars remains at 5 Cancer and Saturn's at 5 Scorpio. This means that the Mars-Saturn-Neptune Grand Trine is peaking just a few days after that huge Jupiter-Saturn-Neptune Grand Trine peaked. This means your Law of Attraction projects receive a third turbocharge this week. And, main, and again, the main thing this is doing is turbocharging the larger, longer grand trine, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune. Embody Mars' archetypal power as the warrior, pioneer, initiator, and entrepreneur. This grand trine, peaking today on the 20th of July, will last through August 1st. Now, let's take those Mars trines and consider them individually. Uh, these are going to sound real similar 
to the Jupiter trines I interpreted on the 17th because same planets being aspected, Mars and Jupiter in some ways have comparable fiery energies. So the Mars-Neptune trine is smoothly flowing fresh energy to your spiritual union practices and divinely inspired creativity. And Mars trine to Saturn can increase your discipline, endurance, and productivity. Again, they are very similar in interpretation to the Jupiter trines. Also today, here on Saturday, we have a Mercury-Uranus-Pluto T-square. All the grand trines we've been talking about are flowing patterns. This is more of a challenge pattern. Um, This aspect pattern actually started on July 9th. And as I wrote then, consider even those truths you hold to be self-evident to be open to revision. To borrow a tagline from the Matrix movies, free your mind. And we got another T-square today, Mars, Uranus, Pluto. Mars not content with just bringing a grand trine to a peak today is kicking off this new T-square. Like all the T-squares we've seen recently, it includes the revolutionary Uranus-Pluto square. And I do have an in-depth article on my site about that if you want to read about that. This T-square peaks on July 29th and ends on August 7th. Mars, Uranus, and Pluto all have a reputation for intensity and volatility. So this challenging T-square should be handled with great care. Definitely try to avoid situations where volatility or violence could flare up. If appropriate, brush up on your own anger management skills. To make the best use of this T-square, take immediate action on your intuitive flashes. And if you're ready, release everything that does not contribute to your evolution and awakening. I did it, and it was great. (laughs) With Mars in Cancer, it might be a good time to transform how you're relating with some of your family members. What can you do to create greater harmony in your interactions? Let's wrap up with Sunday, July 21st. We open with a Moon-Pluto conjunction. That's happening around 6 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. So Sunday morning might have a level of intensity, transformation, sexuality, occult interest. Things below the surface are supported for a few hours either side of that 6 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time Moon-Pluto conjunction. And then our final event of the week is Pallas entering the sign of Cancer. So that's Pallas Athena I'm talking about. She's going to be in the sign of Cancer through September 11th. To piggyback on that theme from yesterday's forecast, is it about time that you finally stood up to an overly dominating family member? It should now be easier to embody this asteroid goddess's warrior spirit. And that concludes our seven days forecast. Looking ahead to next week's show, the week of July 22nd, we also have a busy week. We're going to have a full moon. We're going to have Mars conjuncting Jupiter and opposing Pluto. That's pretty intense. Four Venusian events. She's going to enter Virgo, oppose Neptune, sextile Saturn, and sextile Jupiter. And the sun is going to enter Leo, quincunx Neptune, and square Saturn. So there will be plenty of challenge and opportunity in the sky next week. Please tune in, and I'll be here to tell you the best use of these energies. Next up, announcements and our live listener consultation. You can hear my weekly forecast every week on This Week in Astrology, but would you also like to get a free, concise version in writing? How about having it conveniently pop into your inbox every week? And while we're at it, how about occasional bonus articles on astrology, along with simple, powerful healing and awakening techniques? That's what you get with AstroShaman's free weekly email newsletter. To subscribe, go to astroshaman.com. You'll see the newsletter sign-up form at the top of the sidebar. 
And if you like calculating your own astrology charts, why not use the world's leading Windows astrology software and get it for the lowest price available? It's All Good Astrology is an authorized dealer for Solar Fire Gold. It'll even run on your Mac under Windows emulation software. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Solar Fire Software from the drop-down menu. A free weekly forecast and the best available price on Solar Fire Gold. Two great reasons to visit astroshaman.com right now. We have a brief announcement section today. Information on everything that follows is at astroshaman.com on the home page. Scroll down slightly and you'll see a What's New section. My next shamanic invocation, Heal and Awaken Meetup, will be this Tuesday, July 16th. You can either attend in person in Asheville, North Carolina, or call in on the phone. Uh, we are pre-booking pretty strongly. It's already mostly full as I record this on Saturday. So if you want to come in person, please RSVP as soon as possible. And if you want to call in on the phone, there's no need to worry about that because you can just uh, get the number online and call in when the thing begins. You'll get a strong energetic experience either way. We'll be doing some of my invocations for healing and awakening, and I'll be using shamanic modalities to empower them. And if I didn't mention already, that will be from 7.30 to 9 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. A couple of local events also. Both actually take place at the Namaste Center in Hendersonville, North Carolina. That's a little bit south of Asheville. I'm going to be participating in their Holistic Healing Expo on Saturday, July 27th from 1 to 5 p.m. That's quite a value. You get three 15-minute sessions with three different healers for, get this, $33. That's $11 a pop. That's less than a dollar a minute. I may never work that cheaply again. So, uh... If you want to come out and work with me and or some other wonderful people, uh, there will be lots of healing and metaphysical modalities present at the Expo. I'm also pleased to announce that the presentation I did at Namaste on Heal and Awaken Invocations a few weeks ago was so well received that they have asked me back. So you have another chance to hear me in person on August 7th. That is a Wednesday night, again, at the Namaste Center in Hendersonville, North Carolina from 7 to 9. Once again, we'll be going through the whole invocation series, most likely very powerful healing and awakening opportunity if you are interested in participating in that. And that's all our announcements. It's time for our music break. Fair warning, it does start quietly, but about 20 seconds in, there is a significant jump in volume, so don't crank it too high just yet. This is a progressive metal track. I think it's brilliant, which is why I'm sharing it with you, but if that doesn't sound like your cup of intense tea, jump ahead about a minute and 45 seconds and you'll be past it.
That was some of the song Of Mind Nocturne by my new favorite group Tesseract, T-E-S-S-E-R-A-C-T. I have listened to their album Altered State probably hundreds of times by now. I just can't stop. It's a completely addictive experience. I've never been this addicted to a piece of music ever. So I adore it. But again, progressive metal is not everyone's cup of tea. I love the strange time signatures and gorgeous vocals. And anyhow, thought I'd share that with you. I shared another song from that album a few shows ago and that I will not share anymore for those of you who aren't into progressive metal. But if you're interested, you can hear this on Spotify. Just search for Tesseract and the album Altered State. One note, um, until this album, they were doing dirty vocals, which means they did sort of a screaming effect like a lot of metal bands do. But with this album, they stopped that and they say they're going to have clean vocals from now on. So if you explore their earlier work, just be aware of that. Also, I did make a couple of edits to what you heard. So if you hear the original version, you will hear more than what you just heard there. But I wanted you to hear some of my favorite parts of the song without it going on too long. My apologies to Tesseract. So, again, that was Of Mind, Nocturne by Tesseract. Welcome to This Week in Astrology's live listener consultation. This week I'm very pleased to have Samantha on the show. Samantha, thank you for appearing on the show with me. Oh, thank you for having me, Benjamin. And uh, I always like to first off give natal data, so let me confirm that I have your birth data correct. May 8th, 1989, 4.31 p.m., Jacksonville, Florida. Is that all correct? That is correct. Awesome. And what would you like to talk about today? Um, well, Benjamin, I'm just curious about the present aspects that could possibly strengthen my um, artistic goals right now, as well as my spiritual awakening. I feel some really great things have been happening lately, and I'd like to know what energies are contributing so I could probably better use those in my awakening, as well as my modeling and my acting career. Okay, beautiful. And let me just ask you up front, uh, obviously you are a model and you do have a lot of pictures online. Do you want to remain anonymous or do you want people to be able to find you and, and look at the pictures and such? Oh, no, they can certainly find me. I love for people to enjoy my art. Okay. All right. So so normally I just want to make a point here. Normally on the on this section of the show, I only give first name and I try to maintain a strong level of anonymity because with just a first name and a birth date, it's hard to locate someone. Um, but you are okay with people knowing who you really are and everything you talk about, therefore, is going to be even more public than usual. Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah. I'm a pretty upfront, honest person. So, <laughs> but, my, um, but my actual, my, I have a stage name as far as my modeling goes. So, oh, okay. So, uh, so what is your stage name? It's Samantha Sweets, the devoted doll. It's for a pinup modeling, hence the devoted doll part. Okay, so, and I want to explain also, you said Samantha Sweets, and then the part after that was garbled for a moment, and we are on Skype, and so we are experiencing a, an occasional audio glitch, so if I have to ask you to repeat yourself, I, I will explain that's why. And uh, so, Samantha Sweets, the, the what, exactly? The Devoted Doll. The Devoted Doll. Okay, beautiful. Okay, so thank you. And so, listeners, if you hear a little glitch, it's probably not your audio issue. It's the original recording that's at, that, that is the issue here. Okay, good. So now, with all that housekeeping out of the way, let's see if we can dive into what you're talking about. Um, so you mentioned awakening, and, of course, that's a subject very dear to my heart, as our listeners know. Um, so when you speak of awakening, are you talking about the state where you are 
ideally just fully present as consciousness and everything that happens in the physical world is sort of being observed by that component of yourself? Absolutely. Like that automatic running of spirit. Nice. And have you already touched that state at times? Um, yes, I would say I, um, if I had to give it like a percentage, I'd say it's like an 80, 20. I think a lot of the times if I do fall out of it, I'm much more aware of it. Like when my ego steps in, it more quickly dissolves itself. Nice. Okay. Beautiful. And that is typical in my, my own awakening experience and that of a lot of people I know who are in the process or, or broken through, you know, there are periods where you do go back to sleep and for a while you forget that you're consciousness and you think you're the person again. And then as the awakening deepens, those periods of amnesia get shorter and shorter and eventually are very rare or non-existent. So it sounds like you're well on your track. Um, now, of course, in we can begin uh, talking about that. I would first like to give your primal triad. Um, and there are a couple of things in your chart that are quite notable for concentrated energy. So let me just kind of give that overview period. And of course, uh, as always, whenever I talk about someone on the show, I do put their chart on the blog. So if you want to look at, you know, my visuals for Samantha's chart, you can go to thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com for the show and look at um, the visuals that are already there for you, or you can run your own chart based on the birth data we've already given. So Samantha, in your chart, we've got the sun in Taurus. And you have a stellium in Taurus. Venus and Ceres are also in that sign. Your moon, Samantha, is dignified in its own sign of cancer. And you could hardly ask for a more prominent moon. It is conjunct the midheaven like one degree into the 10th house. And you've got another stellium in cancer. A stellium, by the way, is just three or more planets in the same sign or house. And you've got a very tight grouping of moon, Chiron, and Mars they're all within two and a half degrees of each other, all clustered up at the beginning of the 10th house. So that's another very strong signature and that it will come to bear very strongly on your questions, actually. Um, Another concentration in your chart is Capricorn. I can resonate well with that because even though none of my primal triad is Capricorn, it's my strongest astrology energy. And you've got um, a uh, a strong uh, Capricorn lineup, the IC, the fourth house cusp is Capricorn. And then we've got a very, again, triple conjunction tight of Vesta, Neptune, and Saturn in Capricorn. And Uranus is actually hugging the fourth house cusp. So we would say that your your chart signatures, we see a lot of Taurus, a lot of Cancer, a lot of Capricorn. And we have to mention also uh, Gemini is in the running there too. You have a, a Mercury-Jupiter conjunction in Gemini. Um, so, so you've got like four signs that are like hitting the lion's share of the energy in the chart, uh, Capricorn, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, and we can't rule out the, the Libra rising. Uh, so, so that was quite a bit of detail more than I usually give actually, but, uh, it was, the concentrations are so potent that I think they'll come to bear in our discussion. So basically Taurus sun, Cancer moon, uh, Libra rising is the triad. So let's now dive in. I want to, uh, since we started talking about the spiritual stuff, let me go ahead and and lead with that. Um, The eighth house is one of the spiritual houses. Um, The eighth house is known as the house of the occult or, you know, dimensions beyond service reality. You do have your son uh, in the middle of that house. 
And Venus, the chart ruler with Libra rising, is also in that house, later in the house. And the Sun and Venus are very loosely conjunct. So right away, that says a certain amount of multidimensionality would be natural for you uh, with uh, both your Sun and the chart ruler Venus in the 8th house. We've also got a ton, oh my God, of Neptune contacts. It's just crazy. Oh, I feel that all the time. <laughs> Neptune actually aspects every planet in your chart out through Saturn. And that is a stunning amount of Neptune contact. And it doesn't even stop there. Just to, just to run the list. This is amazing. Wow. Neptune trines the sun, opposes the moon, biquintiles Mercury, sesquiquadrates Venus, opposes Mars, quincunxes Jupiter, conjuncts Saturn, and then moving beyond even the social planets, it conjuncts Uranus, sextiles Pluto, conjuncts Vesta, uh, sesquiquadrates Juno, uh, exactly <laughs> to the minute trine series. So, so Neptune is hitting virtually everything in the chart. It's just I've, I rarely see a planet that, that's, that is that woven into just about everything in the chart even if by minor aspect. So, so Neptune's huge. And of course, in a spiritual discussion, Neptune's about the dissolution of all boundaries and being one with everything. Uh, would it be correct? Uh, I, I, you know, we haven't talked at, at all yet until this discussion here on the show, but have you always been a very sensitive person? Have you always perceived more energetic stuff than the people around you seem to? Yes. Yes, very much so. Okay. And did that include, I mean, on the the beginning level of that for people is, wow, I feel the vibe of the room around me, or I kind of am picking up emotions and, and subtle energy from people around me. I assume it was on that level, right? Um, yes, very much so. Not to let that um, dominate the conversation, but I've always been told that I was very sensitive. And I think until I understood, like, in my adult years that I was being empathic and picking up other people's emotions, I was very easy to feel that they were my own. So I was right. very depressive growing up mm. and very like anxious. Right. And then when I finally realized that it's actually a gift, I swear my whole life just transformed. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> okay. Now, now Neptune sensitivity extends beyond that too into, wow, I'm, I can actually perceive other dimensions. I, I, I perceive more than just the 3D world. I, I can actually maybe travel in other dimensions or I'm aware of other beings who are not physical or I feel subtle energies moving through my body. Was that also part of your experience? Yes. And actually that heightened um, in January and February um, this year hmm. to levels that I had never known before. Good. such as seeing those that have transitioned or mm -hmm. um, being visited more by um, like celestial beings. Celestial beings? Yeah, angels and um, if, if that's what you would call them and um, spirit guides more so. Nice. Okay, good. And I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of clients who are having the same experience and and, you know, I first encountered those beings myself in my ayahuasca journeys, but now I'm, I'm more generally perceptive of them as well. There's way more of them than there are of us. <laughs> yes, yes. Us being humans in this reference, all right? Yes, very. Times uh, distinguish. Like, I am sometimes um, wonder if I'm being visited by the same one or if it's another because there's so many. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's hard to keep up with sometimes. Yeah, and that becomes an interesting discussion, too, because my fundamental perception is there's only one of us here. 
In other words, there is right. only actually one fundamental consciousness that has chosen to diversify itself into apparently different beings. But uh, I think the more your awakening deepens, you will actually begin to perceive, wow, you know, I, I used to think that was another person's emotions, but they actually are my emotions because I really am them. And that, right. that's, a, that's a deeper level of awakening than a lot of people have got to yet. But it's, you might just hit that too if you haven't already. <laughs> okay, good. So, so that establishes all the tremendous number of Neptune contacts really helps us see why, you know, that super sensitivity is there. And, and by the way, it's also a good demonstration of an astrological principle. Uh, most of my listeners have heard me talk about the astrology alphabet, where there's the idea is there's a planet, a sign, and a house that all mean the same thing. And this Neptune signature would also correlate to the sign of Pisces and the 12th house. And there's very little going on in Pisces. The only thing you have in that sign is the north node in the first degree. And that's important, I grant you, but it's not a natural gift. The north node is what you're asked to develop into, not a natural strength. And your 12th house is empty. So mm -hmm. in terms of that number 12 signature, it's all coming in through Neptune aspects. So it's a nice demonstration of how even if two of the components of that letter of the astrology alphabet are absent, a really powerful setup with one of them can be enough to really turn it on. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what a Neptune. Wow. I don't, I don't know that I've actually ever seen a Neptune that strongly aspect. That may be unique in my experience, actually. So that's amazing. <laughs> okay. So, so you said that in the last year or so, your spiritual sensitivity has just gone off the charts compared to what it was before, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, let's see why, shall we? Okay. okay. So um, you happen to have Neptune at 12 degrees Capricorn. And uh, anyone who's been listening to my show any amount of time means that that means it's in the complete uh, crosshairs of the Uranus-Pluto square in the sky. So right now, um, Pluto is actually energetically conjunct Neptune. It actually came up and stopped about three quarters of a degree shy of the actual conjunction a few months ago. Um, or whenever it turned uh, retrograde. I don't remember exactly when that was. I'm sorry, <laughs> at this moment. And Uranus has, you know, is virtually square it now. It's within a quarter of a degree of the square and has already passed the exact square. So what this represents here is here's Neptune, the planet that represents divine consciousness um, in, in the midst of the most powerful transit it will probably receive in your lifetime. So... Mm. So not a big surprise then that, you know, your spiritual awareness is going through the roof right now. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, very much so. Okay. It's also an interesting demonstration of a principle I've talked about too, which is normally I say the outer planets in the natal chart are not where the action is. Um, unless you've got that planet ruling an angle or in an angular house. And in this case, Neptune does not rule any of your angles. Pisces is not on an angle, but Neptune is angular. It is in the fourth house, which gives it a little more substance to act a little more like a personal planet in this case. Does that make sense? Kind of. Okay. Well, it may not make total sense, but it that's why I think the effects are so strong for you, whereas a person who had a Neptune just kind of sitting off on its own and it wasn't angular or ruling an angle, they might get the same lineup and, and the effects for them might not be nearly as strong. Okay. 
Okay. So, uh, so, and understand as much of that as you can. I'm sorry if some of it's not totally clear. <laughs> it's okay. I'm learning. That's why I listen to your podcast. Yay. Okay. All right. So um, that would be the primary reason why the huge um, awakening would occur. Although I just got intuitive hit. The original question you sent in way back in, um, you originally emailed me, well, it wasn't that long ago, um, April of 2013, you mentioned that the uh, the eclipse was about to happen on your natal sun. Uh, your sun's at 18 Taurus, and the uh, eclipse that was, you know, that in May was practically right on top of your sun. We had the, the solar sun-moon conjunction there. And I think this may have been an accelerator for the spiritual awakening, too. One of the first things I said as we opened the show was, you've got an eighth house sun. The eighth house is the house of the occult, of the hidden mysteries behind the surface, and therefore a lot of spiritual flavor can be contained in that house. So uh, the eclipse's long-term effects might be, in fact, to have kicked off that whole occult awakening. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, so that... that uh, Seems likely to me that's one of the effects of that eclipse as we're going downstream from it. Okay, um, I'm just checking other... Now, what I want to zoom in a little bit on is, even though your Neptune is so vastly aspected, I want to be a little more specific about the effect of the Uranus-Pluto square on Neptune for you, now that we know why Neptune is, is being an important player for you. Um, the Pluto conjunction is by far the strongest thing that's happening. A direct conjunction from Pluto is usually the most powerful thing that can happen to a planet in your lifetime. It is the most powerful transiting planet, and conjunction is the exact contact is the strongest thing that can happen. So Pluto conjunct Neptune can be profound transformation, you know, Neptune spiritually. And you've got a couple more years of this, actually. So if you think it's strong now, just check it in two years and look how far you've come since now. <laughs> it's wow. going to be amazing. Pluto, Pluto's a two to three year transit. What Pluto, is that again? Can you remind me? Pluto, Pluto transits last three years at this point in history. Okay. okay. Now Pluto's speed changes, uh, you know, over the course of its, you know, 265 year run through the Zodiac. But right now, you know, it, you know, it takes, it's running about two degrees per year on average. Of course, we know it goes forward and retrogrades back, but when you average out the movement, it's it clicking forward about two degrees per year. The way I calculate transit power is if I've got a transiting planet within three degrees of its aspect, then it's really strong. Of course, there are effects before and after that, but the ones that really start to make you notice seem to happen within about three degrees. So therefore, it's going to take three years for Pluto to cover that six-degree window before and after the actual hit. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So yeah, so Pluto hasn't even made the conjunction yet to Neptune. Like I said, it came within almost a degree, but didn't quite make it. Um, so you've you've yet to have the exact conjunction, but it, it's still very much turned on. So Pluto is saying, okay, we got three years of of spiritual deepening. And part of this process for most people, in fact, I've never heard this not happening, is the purging up of all the dark stuff that's been buried that needs to be cleared to make that spiritual awakening stick easier. Um, am I correct that you, you've got a lot of stuff emotionally and psychologically clearing lately? You are right on it, Benjamin. <laughs> I swear it's uh, the universe is delivering all the teachers that I need to release my own. And now that, um, like I said, this year has been 
heightened awareness that I've been um, having all these things come up to clear. I feel like I'm even like clearing things from my family and like from past lives. Even it's, it's very strange. Uh, I I hear that so often. It doesn't even surprise me anymore. Um, (laughs) You know, there's, there can even be, yeah, because a lot of people tell me, Oh, I'm clearing my whole lineage now. And, and then I even have some people report, I feel like I'm clearing for complete strangers now. I mean, I'm yeah. clearing stuff from people I don't even know, you know. I've never even met them, but their stuff is coming up through me. And, you know, that may seem strange until you realize, well, we're all ultimately just cells in the body of God. And, you know, when you have a single organism, in, in, in this line of thinking, the, the into all of creation is just a single conscious organism. It's the divine embodied into the universe. And therefore, any part of that organism is more than happy to help out any other part because we're all in this together, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so when people start clearing for people they don't even know, that's just the organism, you know, you know, maintaining its optimal functioning the best it can. And you would not be called on to clear for another person or, or situation unless you were able to do so. Yeah. Um, I remember one ayahuasca ceremony I did where I, you know... I said right at the beginning, okay, if I can help clear for anyone else during the ceremony, I'm happy to do it. And I had at least eight or nine other people's stuff come through me at various times during the ceremony and get cleared through me. So it, it she took me up on my offer. <laughs> oh, wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> some of it was easy and some of it was intense. But, you know, I can promise you that you will never get a clearing for yourself or anyone else that you cannot handle because it's all being managed by your higher self very intelligently. So does that verify your own experience? Yes, yes, it okay, does. Good. Okay, so so that's some you got another couple years then of Pluto on Neptune. Expect the purging to continue. Um are you already of the mindset that this is a good and beautiful opportunity, even though it's not fun? Because you can feel after the clearing completes that you are even more radiant, more open, more divinely conscious each time you clear another piece of stuff away? Yes, so much, Benjamin. I can't even tell you. Like, it's sometimes I invite it even more so because <laughs> it's this beautiful release. Like, I swear, it's like the stuff comes up and it's like a foggy window, and then spirit washes it away, and you just see everything so much more clearer. How oh, beautiful. Oh, is that your dog snoring in the background? Uh, yeah, yeah, he does that. Uh, he's a Boston, so he's got a oh, short nose. But oh, yeah, they have, they have interesting breath. So if, we, if our listeners are wondering, what is that noise in the background? That's, your, that's her snoring dog. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is he, can, no, you can't still hear him, can you? I, I think it's great. I don't mind at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted, we were wondering, is there some defect on the audio? What's going on here? <laughs> Okay, I good. think he stopped, so we're good okay. now. All right. So anyhow, you've got Pluto on Neptune, which is the big story. Uranus is also squaring, and you know Pluto you know, works real slowly, but Uranus has no patience, and he wants it right now. He wants the lightning strike to take care of it. So your, your awakenings can happen really quickly, and the clearings can happen really fast under this particular setup. Um, now, are you aware, Samantha, of my little invocation for healing that can help you know, clear stuff through once it pops up? Yes, I found it really helpful. And um, this past weekend, I actually listened to your MP3 on your website that takes you through the multiple invocations. Oh, the the new one of my presentation? Yes. Oh, good. 
Yes. And that, w- that was profoundly helpful um, because there were a few like you like you take I, I don't I mean, you can tell, obviously, the listeners, but um, like you have the the first one, the spirit that I am, please saturate me with your loving healing light. Well, actually, I think that's the second one. I'm sorry. These are yours. I should let you do them. <laughs> um, but the fact that you actually went through a few of them, like mm-hmm. you could definitely tell, like the whole process was deepening and just so much more light was entering. Mm-hmm. It was, it was beautiful. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad it was effective. And for those listeners who are intrigued by this and don't already know, if you just go to astroshaman.com, you know, at, as we record this, which is uh, July 11th, you know, it's still in the what's new area. There's a mention of the, you know, new re- invocation presentation recording that I did at Namaste in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And that's what she's referring to. It's about an hour and 44 minute recording. And um, and we cover a ton. I think six. I think we do nine invocations during that session. And the audience was right there with me. In fact, they they loved it so much. I just got invited back to do it again. So <laughs> uh, awesome. they got some good stuff. And the energy is definitely in the recording. So anyone who wants to check that out can do that. And the specific invocation that I was mentioning for clearing stuff when things come up is spirit that I am. Please saturate me with your healing, loving light. Please clear from me all energies that do not serve highest good starting now. Thank you. And to see that in writing and learn more about it, just go to astroshaman.com. Go to the footer of any page. And the word invocations is down there in the footer. Uh, click it, and it'll take you to all the articles I've written about this, including the healing invocation. So that's just for reference for anyone who wants to explore that further. Okay, enough plugs. Let's get back to your chart. <laughs> oh, and by the way, all that's free. You can take all that and not pay a penny. All right, so um, I want to mention something else. I, it doesn't. It actually does relate to your question because your most your other questions, apart from awakening, have to do with modeling, acting, coaching, and career questions, right? Right. Um, you uh, and many others born in 1989 have a tight conjunction of Neptune and Saturn in the natal chart. You know, mentioned your Neptune's at 12 degrees, 13 minutes Capricorn. Saturn is right there hugging it at 1343 Capricorn. It's literally one and a half degrees off conjunction. Um, and Saturn is dignified in Capricorn. That's its natural sign, okay? It's a sign of rulership, rather. So anytime I see a Neptune-Saturn conjunction or any strong Neptune-Saturn contact, I immediately wonder, um, or actually pretty well I can figure out you've got an amazing capacity for, for law of attraction use. Um, is it true? And, and tell me if I'm wrong. Is it true that when you hold the vision of something you really want and put a lot of emotional energy into the fantasy of it, that it tends to show up pretty quickly? I will say it's scarily accurate. Um, sometimes <laughs> I have to, I mean, your thoughts are powerful and yeah. lately even it's, I have to be very, very careful what I think because it's almost like <laughs> magic. <laughs> So things are manifesting faster than ever now. Right. Okay, good. And has that has that been true to some degree your whole life? Um, probably, but I just think I'm consciously aware of it now. Okay, good. Okay, and the reason why this is so potent uh, theoretically, and in fact I have a whole article on how Neptune and Saturn relate to Law of Attraction on my website. Uh, that's under the uh, Practical Spirituality blog category. Um, Neptune in this context is visualization and imagination. Saturn is crystallization and physical manifestation. When they're conjunct, they are joining forces very powerfully. Um, the fact that they then also connect with personal planets, 
Um, Neptune and Saturn are both, let me double check this. Yes, they are both opposing Mars and they are both uh, trining your sun. Uh, Mars is an angle ruler for your seventh house, which gives it more power. Mars and, let me check this too, they are a uh, little broad to, to hit Mercury, but they are, the fact that they're hitting two personal points like that makes them pretty strong. And their, their angularity is a power booster too. So for all those theoretical reasons, that's why, you know, your law of attraction skill is just off the charts strong. Um, do you know, by the way, how to use the pivot to, to take the energy out of a negative thought if it should arise? Um, well, I have like tools that I use that cancel the thought or replace it, uh-huh. but, um, I'd like to hear your advice. Okay. It may be similar to what you're already doing. Uh, the, the pivot system is if you discover there's a negative thought in your mind or you're saying something negative that you actually do not want to manifest, you, you respond to that by simply re refocusing your attention on the negative thoughts, positive opposite. For example, right. if someone had a thought, uh, you know, I'll never get this particular modeling gig. It's too exclusive. Then you replace that with the vision of, I see myself actually doing the modeling gig and getting paid well and having a great time. So exactly. It feeds the imagination, right? Any energy you put into fighting or negating the negative thought actually just makes it stronger. Yeah. Precisely. So, what you resist persists. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so good. I'm glad you, you understand that already. So yeah. Um, I actually had a, an ayahuasca journey where I saw my own thoughts turning into little protoplasmic beings. And I saw that every time a thought arose in my mind, it generated one of those beings etherically whose job was to go out and make that physically real. And fortunately, most people's minds are so scattered all over the place, they don't generate enough of those beings to actually have everything they think become real. But when you are really focusing on a particular strain of thought and you're, you're seeing the same vision a lot with a lot of emotional power, that's the thing that really brings those realities in quickly. So it's, uh, and, and for, once you understand this, it far from making you paranoid and freaked out by this, you realize, wow, what a beautiful system. And, and you can relax into, um, allowing these positive thoughts to, you know, be your choice because you can always choose what you think about. And so it's just a little mindfulness mixed with a little focus and all of a sudden a, a much more delightful reality starts showing up. So. Absolutely. And in my personal experience, I'm much more careful what I allow into my reality mm -hmm. because I realize it is so much my choice. Yeah. Good. So beautiful. All right. So I wanted to hit on that a little bit too. Now, let me, um, since Saturn is the natural ruler of career for you and for everybody, Therefore, this Pluto-Uranus square lining up by transit on natal Saturn, um, and they're already, Uranus has already energetically squared up. Pluto has energetically started to make the conjunction as well. Um, what a profound time to create revolutionary transformation in what you do for a living. So, um, again, if you use your law of attraction and power to start imagining exactly what you do want to do for a living, then I'm suspecting the universe can serve that up pretty quickly for you. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So, so very potent time for you to uh, create your reality around career too. Um, not to mention the fact, I don't know if you're aware that Jupiter just came into your 10th house by transit. Um, you know, today on July 11th, Jupiter's at three and a half uh, cancer. Your midheaven cusp is two and a half. Jupiter just came in there a few days ago. 
and Transit Mars is right behind it. <laughs> that, um, that would explain some things. Some yeah. very uh, expansive energy I've been feeling. Yeah. But. And if that wasn't enough, remember, you've got that, that those three planets in Stellium, you know, right in the beginning of the 10th house. You've got the moon, Chiron, and Mars all there right at the beginning of the 10th. The moon's the 10th house ruler to boot, you know, dignified in cancer. It doesn't get any stronger than that. So this is a time when your career opportunities could be just off the charts. So I would be, I would be very focused on your, on your worldly work right now because, you know, this empowerment of it is just super powerful. Yes. I've been doing as much as I can taking the mercury retrograde into consideration and making uh-huh. sure I don't do anything too, too um, big until after the 20th, just because I, I feel like it's definitely had an effect on me in the past. So it's something to keep in mind, but right. um, that's really encouraging to hear that there are some things supporting that right now. Oh, yeah. And remember, Mercury Retrograde is only a caution about starting new things. Okay. If you already had something started before Mercury went retrograde, you can plow into that full steam. In fact, Mercury Retrograde is an excellent time to finish things. So it doesn't mean just sit on your hands. It means. What about as far as like signing? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, as far as like signing new like contracts or certain like. Um, agencies that that seem is that something is, is considered already started or is that new because to me that's kind of new well an actual beginning of contractual agreement is a new thing for sure but mm-hmm. but let me put that in perspective um, again it's not a it, it does not guarantee disaster if you initiate during mercury retrograde uh, many people have, have initiated tons of stuff during mercury retrograde that has proved very successful However, what it usually means is that at some point in the process of developing that thing you started, there might be adjustment required. There might be a setback you have to, you know, work around because Mercury was, he rules commerce and he was, you know, moving backwards when you started. So, that, you know, if, if you had a choice, for example, if you got a contract, okay, this, this contract must be signed now during Mercury retrograde or you lose the opportunity completely, I'd sign the sucker. <laughs> seriously you know? All right. so you know you know astrology you know it's it's a powerful tool and it's very helpful but don't let it handcuff you you know if there's a, a clear opportunity and the advantages of moving ahead even under less than optimal aspects are clear then go you know there can be a great learning too about starting things when the stars are not optimal there's a you know there's a famous story about paramansa yogananda the wonderful um you know spiritual teacher who, you know, his astrology was Vedic astrology, but he made it a point whenever an astrologer in, you know, a Vedic astrologer said, you cannot do a certain thing during a certain time, he would do it anyway, just out of stubbornness and spite, you know. And, he sounds like a Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and he always succeeded, but he, he had to admit, he says, I was able to get it done, but it sure was a lot of work. <laughs> right. So, so again, don't, you know, use astrology, you know, with a little common sense, you know, you know, if, if a clear opportunity is present, you know, and you lose the opportunity completely, if you don't act, it may be better to just run with it and see what happens, you know? So, you know, I, and my ultimate belief is intuition trumps everything, you know, because intuition is direct divine guidance. And to me, that overrides any intellectual system whatsoever. So if your yeah. intuition is telling you to run with something, I don't care what the astrology says or what the tarot deck says or what the psychic says, you run with it if your inner guidance is screaming yes. 
So uh, that's my own feeling about it anyway. Okay, so um, so let's now uh, jump over to your specific um, uh, things. You 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 you're doing modeling already. I know because I've seen all your pictures online. Um, you're doing. Are you doing acting yet, or is that something you're wanting to develop? Um, due to my uh, current daytime job, it's actually a nighttime job, so I don't have the time for rehearsals. But um, I have done a show in a, a few months ago. But I just I, I usually put all my artistic outlets into my modeling because it's more manageable. Okay. Yeah. One shoot and you're done. You don't have to just keep doing it over and over again, right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good. And life coaching, is that something you're already doing? Um, well, I always tell, you know, I ask spirit to use me as it will as far as that. And just because right now I, um, I work in a hospital. And okay. so I'm not actually in the, I guess, the status of life coach. But I always have people just kind of flock to me. It's always kind of been like, I don't know, like a bug lamp, I guess. I don't know how to describe it. But um, I always have very, you know, interesting people come to me and I'm just always um, given just the right words. And I know they're not even mine. I know I'm just mm -hmm. being, you know, a conduit for spirit. But mm -hmm. um, so I know that spirit's using me in the place that I am. But I would really like to be on a platform where I could help a greater number of people and actually write books. And boy, does your chart support that. So let me tell you why. Um, the idea of being a mentor and giving wise counsel to people is hugely supported by that stellium in your 10th house I've been talking about, Moon, Chiron, Mars. Okay, Chiron is the mentor. It's the archetype of the wounded healer. Um, it can both mean that the wounds you suffer are visible to the public, uh, but in as but the more you heal those and, and come out on the high side, well, not even, well, the side of Chiron that's more pleasant to work with, which is I am the mentor, I am the healer, then that can be extremely prominent. Uh, the fact that Chiron is conjunct the midheaven ruler of the moon uh, by one-third of one degree, they are joined at the hip, basically, and the fact that Chiron itself is not even one and a half degrees into the tenth house makes it extremely prominently placed for career. So anything you want to do that relates to mentoring or healing and mentoring more broadly thought of could be, you know, sharing information with many and not just one could be really powerful. Um, this also is a chart that would support a high level of fame and recognition. Uh, the moon in a famous person's chart or someone who is going to be famous, it represents the public and your moon could not conceivably be more prominent. It is dignified in its own sign of cancer. It is the ruler of the midheaven and it is conjunct the midheaven just one degree into the 10th house. So the possibility of broad fame and recognition is quite strong because of that moon placement. Does that make sense? Wow, yes, yeah. Okay. And there's also a strong possible entrepreneurial signature because Mars, again, is part of this cluster of three planets. Mars is just a tad further along, but even he is only <laughs> three and a half degrees into the 10th house and even closer to Chiron and the moon. So these guys are all pretty much joined at the hip. Mars is the entrepreneur, the warrior, the pioneer, the one who makes new things happen. He leads and others follow, right? So you've got this amazing little triple combo here that says, yeah, you could be very powerfully out there making your own way, doing it your way, and being the mentor, the healer, well-known, 
and and all of it in cancer, which is the maternal nurturing energy, right? So everything you do will have this warm, fuzzy vibe about it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I mean, even your even your pictures, you know, your pinup pictures, they are sexy, but they they don't they feel warmly sexy. There's a there's a warmth and you know a touch of well, maybe maternal is the wrong word, but there is a lushness to them that feels kind of mama-like. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I, I do. I like I bring so many elements that I mean, I don't obviously discuss a lot, but like I bring my love and my family into my pictures, even though it's just me in the spotlight of them. Uh-huh. I bring certain elements of my home with me to shoots so that I can bring that energy into the picture. Oh, so you're doing that consciously. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so people who who not only want someone who's, you know, attractive, but, you know, they feel that that maternal energy a little bit in there, too. Is you know that's going to be uh, someone who's going to be very moved by your work. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And and the beauty part, by the way, is Libra rising. Um, and you know you're you're you know just as a person looking at the photos, you know, um, you have a really beautiful face, just really lovely. And of course, all of you is lovely, but the face is especially, in my mind, a really beautiful. And that's actually astrologically indicated. Libra is the sign of beauty. And then the ruler Venus actually ends up in Taurus, which is um, more of, you know, Libra is more like, how can I say this? Um, is associated with like artistic beauty, but Taurus gets into the realm of sensuality, a very earthy beauty and sensuality. And with your Taurus ruler there in, and in the eighth house, so there's a little bit of mystery too, you know, something. There's more than the surface there. We go below the depths. The sun and Ceres also being in Taurus adds more of that sensual vibe to the imagery. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so basically just the fact that you got Libra rising and then Venus, the ruler, dignified in the other sign it rules, Taurus, is almost a guarantee that the person with this chart is going to be physically attractive. Does that make sense? Yes, that's very interesting. Yeah. I never actually saw it put out like that, but it yeah. makes sense. But I've seen it. I mean, I've worked with, you know, 5,000 people and many of them face-to-face. And I find it very predictable. If I see these kind of beauty signatures in a chart, I'm, I have every confidence that an attractive person is going to walk into the room, male or female. So there's astrology shows all sorts of interesting things <laughs> it's interesting to me because i like i have the, i have this i guess i'll call it a gift that i see the beauty in like every person right and so it's it's interesting what is um assigned as beautiful in relation to a sign you know what i'm saying does that make right. sense and there's beauty of course in all the signs I mean, mm-hmm. but but when you see someone who just kind of the person you look at a second time because they are just so attractive and there are certain people who are sort of universally, you know, recognized as attractive people, you know, and these kind of signatures tend to show up in those people's charts or are comparable signatures to them. So so physical beauty does have its own astrological signatures. Well, I agree with you, too. There's beauty in everybody because the divine is present in all things. Um but most of us would agree that some people are just more pleasant to look at than others. <laughs> at the right. Same it's time. just interesting. Like, I love hearing the, the Libra Taurus um, influence on that. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. We'll return with the rest of our live listener consultation. At Astro Shaman, I offer a unique mix of services astrology, guided invocations, shamanic astrology, and shamanic healing 
All services are as effective via phone or Skype as they are in person. Choose one or mix and match in the same session. Western Astrology offers insights into soul purpose, career, relationships, spirituality, timing, relocation, and more. With guided invocations, you can learn how to call on your own divine essence for healing, awakening, or flowing divine energy to others. Shamanic Astrology lets you communicate directly with your planet's living intelligence so that they express more harmoniously in your life. And with Shamanic Healing, you can experience full-spectrum healing and expanded spiritual consciousness customized for your highest good. I also offer Electional Astrology to help you pick the perfect date and time for any important event. My services are offered on a sliding scale. You can get a 20% discount during your birthday month, and gift certificates are always available. I work with clients all around the world via phone and Skype. You get a free digital recording of your session, and I accept PayPal and all major credit cards. Finally, my guarantee makes it risk-free. If you don't feel that your experience was helpful, it's free. For more information or to set an appointment, visit astroshaman.com, email info at astroshaman.com, or call 828-338-9852. I love my work. And I look forward to being of service to you. So let me let me riff a little bit on what's going on with these other themes. Pretty much whatever uh, path you choose is going to be strong for about the next year in career because of the Jupiter hit into the midheaven. But even as I say that, I realize that's a little overstated. Uh, what I what I really want to do is focus a little bit on of the things you've talked about, modeling, acting, coaching, writing, which of those have the most powerful natal support overall? Would you like to explore that for a moment? Yes, please. Okay. Um, to me, the Chiron presence uh, in the 10th house is a very compelling uh, thing. Also being conjunct, the Midheaven ruler and the Midheaven also is strong. So anything you do that relates to mentoring or healing um, is going to be really potent. When you're writing, is the writing going to be designed to help people heal and awaken themselves? Is that kind of the, the angle it'll take? Yes. And also the whole wounded healer. I, In my life experience, I've been given a lot of opportunities to um, fall down and then rebuild or pick myself up. Uh-huh. And so I feel like a lot of those experiences are very human and very relatable, but also help to spiritual awaken. Mm, nice. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that is probably the dominant theme in the chart in terms of career. Um, you know, the moon is, is, is talking about the, the, the warm flavor that it will take and the broad distribution of it. And the Mars is, is the entrepreneurial signature um, and possibly breaking new ground in those themes. But to me, the Chiron is the, the theme that's really just front and center, super strong. Um, there are some other supporting themes that are aspecting the moon and the midheaven I want to talk about, too. Uh, you have natal Uranus um, tightly conjunct the IC. He is just about two and a half degrees into the fourth house. Uranus, therefore, is strongly opposing the midheaven, the moon, Chiron, and Mars, all of them. He's kind of, yeah, he's he's a very strong opposition aspect, and he's the next strongest thing happening to all that career signature. Now, that's that doesn't give us a really specific identity of the career, but it gives a strong flavor of the career, which says you're you are welcome to do this in a really unconventional way. Um, whatever, however you handle the themes of what you're doing, you're invited to do it in a way that 
is uniquely Samantha's. And no one else could really even do it quite the same way you do. Um, so you're saying conformity is not really where you're going to have your greatest strength. You're going to you do your best when you find that unique tweak that really excites you, that really resonates for you. And even if it seems to put you with a little less completely broad appeal, but it, it makes you a stronger player in a niche market, for example, that would be a good way to go. Um, uh, this is, I'll give you just a personal example with me. I have Uranus on my ascendant, very powerful, and I'm an Aquarian sun. And I'm, I'm not just, you know, an astrologer. I'm a shamanic astrologer, you know, and that's a very tight little niche, right? And yet right. each time I, I tighten my niche further by adding another thing that's unusual into it, I actually become more prosperous. And it, it's happened over and over again. I've initially hesitated with all my Capricorn to get into this weird new thing that's even stranger than what I was into already. And yet every time I do, prosperity increases and my happiness, you know, improves even more. So I suspect with Uranus so tightly aspecting all of your midheaven planets that if you're ever at a crossroads saying, well, I'm really drawn to do this, but I'm concerned about it could limit my you know, financial opportunities or my popularity or something. I think going with the, the internal guidance and moving in that more unique direction is probably a good choice for you. Benjamin, you could not be more right because there have been a lot of like things coming up where it's like, because I'm not... Um, what you would consider a skinny mini <laughs> and I'm not necessarily what you would consider a plus size model to the other polar opposite. Uh -huh. So I'm this weird in between thing, but it has been bringing some very interesting opportunities that um, intuitively I'm like, you know, it doesn't make sense that your size would get, um, Samantha, to, I'm speaking to myself, that I would get in a bathing suit in front of a lot of people, uh -huh. you know, to model it but i'm just like intuitively i'm like you're supposed to do this just be brave do it there's some really good stuff that's going to come from it and mm -hmm. so i just follow those intuitive clues and they've been very rewarding nice and isn't it true there's a a pretty large market for plus size models i mean there's a lot of people who are attracted to that type of image um yeah there there is but see that it's like i'm so like i'm not really like i said either or i'm very much your real kind of in between i'm like a size 12 okay so it's not really your extra large or it's not your small i'm kind of just <laughs> i i would consider a relatable size which okay. seems like anybody could be able to do it because of that right but i have some interesting i guess you could say quirks <laughs> <laughs> that feed that modeling side of it right okay good so i'm glad that your your reality has already supported what i was saying about the uranus part Okay. And, and Uranus also works really well with intuitive flashes. That's how he communicates. So um, have you also discovered that when you got a strong, well, let me first define intuitive flash uh, so people will know what I'm talking about. We have lots of thoughts every day. The intuitive flash is when a thought pops in and the instant it hits that moment of inception, you absolutely know it's true, whether it's information or instruction. Is that, do you know what I'm talking about when I say this? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when you have actually been given those intuitive flashes that relate to career, even if your common sense says, I'm not sure this is such a great idea, and you have done what the intuitive flash instructed you, did that turn into a good outcome? Yes, every time thus far. Okay, mm -hmm. good. Yeah, my, you know, based on my own experience and in, in interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people on this very topic, I've pretty much concluded the intuitive flash is infallible. 
it is literally a text message from God, you know, saying, do this. You'll be so much better off if you just will. <laughs> right. And anytime, like it really does outweigh any doubt. Like if you're like physical minds, like, I'm not sure about that. That doesn't seem right. But your intuition's like, just trust me. Mm-hmm. And you follow that. It serves you well every time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm glad we're in agreement on that. Uh, I want to now, you, you mentioned writing before. And you do actually have a, a really strong signature for writing. I mentioned briefly when I was just giving the, the, the splash overview of your chart. And you have a Mercury-Jupiter conjunction in Gemini in the ninth house. And this is, wow. Okay, so for starters, Mercury is the writer. It's in Gemini, the sign of the writer. So that's pretty darn strong already. And then it looks like the publication won't be a problem because it's conjunct Jupiter, the planet of publication. And they're in the ninth house, the house of publication. <laughs> oh, wow. Not a bad start. <laughs> now these guys, let me just check their 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 setups. So so in in other terms though, Jupiter, you know, let's forget about it being a planet of publishing and just a planet of expansion and good fortune, right? Which is how it usually shows up. So here's Jupiter radically expanding Mercury by conjunction. They're like uh five degrees apart and giving a lot of juice to the writing and communicating part. And of course, Mercury's any form of communication at all, whether it's written or verbal or whatever it might be. Soon it'll be telepathic too, all right? Mm-hmm, yes. Um, Mercury also trines your ascendant. Um, and the trine is that easy, automatically happening 120 degree aspect. So Mercury trine the ascendant says, writing can flow easily out into the public sphere. Um, Mercury also makes a little semi-sextile, especially to Mars in your 10th. So it's connecting to a 10th house planet for career. And there was something else I was going to say too. Let me refresh what that was. Oh, strong quincunx from Uranus. Uh, Uranus is down at five Capricorn. Mercury is just past six Gemini. So Uranus and Mercury connect by this 150 degree angle called a quincunx adjustment required. But the connection is still strong because Uranus and Mercury have a, a natural relationship. Uranus is the higher octave of Mercury. Mercury is human mind. Uranus is divine mind. So my guess is, you know, I'm guessing you've probably already made the adjustments that are needed to connect this based on what you've been telling me. And do you get lots of intuitive flashes on a regular basis? Yes. Okay. And you've learned to obey. And I assume these come in every aspect of your life. Um, any any topic that needs to be decided on or addressed or acted on, you can get intuitive flashes relating to that subject, right? Yes, even some things that seem mundane. And I'm just <laughs> like, why would that matter? But I know that it's like the feeling that comes with it makes it the intuitive flash. Yes. And and it, you're never forced to do any of it, but you, you've learned from experience it's better when you do, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, good. So, so that means that you will also know what to write about. And, and if you relax and open yourself, um, then the writing will just flow pretty much by itself. Okay. Now, Neptune actually makes an aspect to Mercury too. It's really subtle. It's called a biquintile. Okay. Um, the quintile family divides the circle into fifths and a quintile, a biquintile is two fifths of the circle, 144 degrees. And Neptune, of course, is the planet of inspir- its, its, its creative meaning is divine inspiration. And the, the meaning of the biquintile is also divine inspiration. 
And the biquintile, even though it's a very subtle angle, is nearly exact. Neptune and Mercury, their biquintile is exact to zero degrees, four minutes of exactitude, which is pretty much dead on. Okay. So, you know, most, some astrologers wouldn't even see this if they don't use biquintiles, but Neptune to Mercury here is saying a constant flow of divine inspiration coming into your writing. Um, the writing you have done, have there been periods when it felt like you were just taking dictation and it was just pretty much coming through on its own? Yes. Mm-hmm. It happens all the, or I'll be like so compelled, like I'll wake up from, uh, you know, deep sleep and just have to write. And, mm. and I'll just, and then I'll go right back to sleep. And then I'll wake up the next morning. I was like, I don't even remember writing this really, but it's so well done. Right. I may say so. Good. Yeah. So that's beautiful. So spirit, see, the more you open to your awakening and the more you just stay connected to the source that you are, the easier it's going to be for spirit to use you to communicate things that are needed for other people. And you will also be guided on how to get the, the information out there, whether it's the internet or whatever, so that it can be accessed by those who need it. Does that make sense? Samantha? Yes, I'm sorry. My dog sneezed right when you said that last thing. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was just, I was just asking for confirmation that you will not only are known what to write, but you also are sort of guided, where do I need to put this information so people can get to it? Yes. Okay, good. That's encouraging. Thank you. All right. So, yeah. So your your best mode is not to, you know, sit down and analyze and outline and carefully, you know, you know, think through every word before it goes on the page. Your job is to just relax and channel it. And uh, helpful to remember the words of Ernest Hemingway, who uh, who famously said, and this there's a, there's a naughty word coming, just a, a blue word alert here. His exact <laughs> quote is, first drafts are shit. <laughs> right and uh you know even one of the world's greatest authors you know wrote terrible first drafts and then you know refined them to their perfection as as i learned when i studied creative writing great fiction is not written it's rewritten <laughs> so so please you know don't let your critical left brain jump in and start messing with you before the the flush of inspiration is exhausted let it all come out sloppy as it might be and then you can go back and tweak it later if you need to I try to be more conscious about that because, you know, part of me is like, really like, well, if I write down and I do it, you know, just so, so, and I'm kind of get that perfectionist vibe. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is just stressing me out. And that's not how it is. But when I just let it flow and let it go, right? like some really beautiful things come out. So I'm learning to trust that a little bit more. Nice. Okay, good. Um, so we've covered, I think we've covered most of the stuff you were asking about. We've covered, um, I don't know that I really talked a lot about the modeling and acting per se, but I, 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 I do need to address this. Um, modeling and acting are both ruled by Neptune. Hmm. Uh, because Neptune rules uh, fantasy and illusion, right? Both of which modeling and acting are about, right? Right. In other words, you're in, both, in both professions, you are creating an illusion for the audience that is something different than the way you naturally are, right? Exactly. Yes. So it's fantasy, role play, etc. Okay. So Neptune totally stands for all that. And the fact that Neptune, as I said before, aspects virtually every object in your chart, um, you know, definitely supports that. (laughs) 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 So uh, those are are also supported occupations. Um, And again, if there's any kind of mentoring or healing energy around any of that that you do, 
better yet because then that Chiron in your 10th house really comes online too when that's the case. Um, let me just see if there's anything else that I wanted to say around that. Do you have any questions about any of this uh, at this um, point? I did have one actually. I know I kind of threw something in on the tail end of my email to you, but you'd mentioned Venus in my eighth house. Uh-huh. Is the is the eighth house also the um, house of relationships? It's the house of committed romantic relationships in the relational field, or it's the house of, of more, you know, legal partnerships. Right. Um, I, I'm wondering, um, without going, I guess, too in detail because of time, how that Venus would be affecting that as far as... Um, a romantic committed relationship. Okay. Well, there's plenty of juice saying that you would like to have one of those. Um, again, you have your son in the eighth and Venus also well in the eighth. So there's a, a strong amount of personal energy calling for the desire to have a committed partner. Um, the challenge here um, is that you have a son series conjunction in the eighth and series in this context mainly stands for self-esteem. And, um, the, the the challenge of this setup is that you tend to uh, to hand your worth over to the partner and your own feeling about yourself is based too much on what they think about you. Have you ever engaged in that dynamic? Yes, I will admit, yes, very much so. Okay, so that's the challenge of a Sun series conjunction in the 8th. However, if you are strong in your own beingness and the more you awaken – the more see once see here's the deal samantha as you as you i think already know once you know that what you really are is pure awareness and pure consciousness and that you are god as is everyone and everything um other people's opinions that don't matter so much <laughs> i will say that i think definitely with my last one um that was surfaced and so it's definitely a, a growing awareness and it does i will say it does seem to matter less i don't take things as personal even with my modeling what people think uh -huh, right because i know that i'm being divinely inspired so i just keep doing it and it's serving me very well so good yeah i follow that so so that that's a key now again from this omniscient perspective you may observe samantha down there having a triggered response like she always has but the key, the key to working with that is to maintain awareness of what you really are, the divine consciousness. And then the trigger that's coming up is so much less difficult to work with and is released so much more easily when you're not the person down there being triggered. Does that right. make any kind of sense? And, yes, actually. And, yes, very much. And um, just relationships with people, I get a lot of that, um, I guess you can say, an actor of life. Like mm -hmm. I'll be aware that I'm being used as a tool and it's not Samantha. That's like, if someone's having a bad day mm -hmm. and I'm the source or subject of their screaming, right? I know that's, it's not me or Samantha that they're, I'm being used as some form of a divine tool for this person. Right. And it seems that things just don't, they're not as personal. It doesn't hurt. Right. It just dissolves. Exactly. And of course, ultimately you, you may reach a point of awakening. We realize there's no person there at all. And wow. it then becomes impossible to take anything personally when there's not even a person. And that, that may sound like complete nonsense to someone who hasn't experienced the state, but I'll assure you that that will become more and more real for you. So, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so my, my basic belief now as I work with people is if you can just get awake and stay awake, 
then all these personality issues that are going to keep you running on the ego hamster treadmill for the rest of your life. Otherwise, you know, they just sort of resolve themselves. You know, the awakening is the magic shortcut to handle everything that's going on in your life. That's a problem. So I'm so glad that you're already well on your way to that on a permanent basis and are still doing the things to, you know, move toward the lock-in. That's so cool. Mm. Um, let me mention one other thing in your, Oh, you were asking about romance. You did, you, you actually were asking me about timing on that. Weren't you? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, do you actually do have a strong indicator now? Venus herself is not receiving any significant aspects in the near future, but your, your actual seventh house ruler of relationships is Mars. Okay. Um, now it's true. Venus rules the eighth house of the committed romantic partnership, but astrologically it's usually, usually the seventh house and it's ruler that gets triggered and big relationship stuff happens because the angular houses tend to have the real power in transit work. Okay. So Mars your seventh house relationship ruler is up there at six, uh, cancer, which means, um, it's, it's just finishing up being stimulated by Uranus and Pluto, but more importantly, it's receiving a trine from transiting Neptune. So Neptune right now is right around five Pisces. There's your Mars at, um, six cancer, which means for the next two years, there will be a trine from Neptune up to Mars which means this can translate um, on the high side to here comes my soulmate, my life partner, my beloved, the one whom I love at all levels and all depths. So you can actually, you're, you're so good at law of attraction, Samantha, if you really want this, I would strongly recommend that you, you know, write down all of the qualities you desire in that partner. Please don't specify a particular person because the universe may deliver you up someone even better than the best person, you know, who exemplifies this. Um, so write down all the qualities and then start imagining yourself doing all the things you want to do with this person as if the relationship already existed and you were already, you know, in committed relationship, if that's what you're looking for. So that will be a superb way to use transit Neptune trining your fourth house, your, I'm sorry, your seventh house ruler for the next couple of years. Does that make sense? Yes. Thank you, Benjamin. And I want to give you a little more precise timing as well. The, the exact conjunctions to Mars that are coming up are possible moments when that could be stimulated. Now, again, uh, the big caveat here is I can't guarantee anything is actually going to happen because you've got free will and there may be other factors at play. But around... Potential. Yeah, but the potentials here. Around July 22nd, transit Mars conjuncts its own natal position. You have your Mars return, which pops on every two years. So uh, mid to late July, there's a lot of potential trigger energy around the uh, relationship forming or deepening, whichever it would be in this case. Um, and again, the formula you look for by transit is I need a slow outer planet already aspecting that point before a trigger from a quick one becomes significant. Okay. And we do have the Neptune trine setting the stage for this. And then Jupiter is going to come along itself and make the conjunction. And that's happening. Wow. Right around the same. Wow. Oh my God, Mars and Jupiter simultaneously. This is amazing. Okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna time this a little more carefully. Hang on a minute. <laughs> I didn't see they were both there. All right, so the actual hit from Jupiter, hang on, is July 22nd, and the actual hit from Mars is, huh, July 22nd. Or July twenty first, twenty second. Okay. What's happening July twenty second? <laughs> so that's that's like ten, eleven days from now, isn't it? 
I, I you know what? Um, intuitively, I've been <laughs> picking up on something like that, but I try. You know, I like to let life surprise me. Okay. But uh, it's very encouraging to hear you say that the energies are positively okay. aspecting that. All right. So again, I can't guarantee it, this could just be a massive career breakthrough instead. Who knows? But oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that would be so. All right. But here's the deal. If you know that you've got Jupiter and Mars conjuncting and hitting your, your relationship ruler all at the same time, that's a massive infusion of energy. That's a very rare and powerful event. So I would be, if you want that partner, I would be getting my law of attraction for relationship up and running ASAP. And then I would make sure the things I'm doing around those days, you know, the days before and after the 21st, 22nd of July, I would be, you know, networking like crazy, make sure I'm out in places where I have the best chance of meeting that person, being online or whatever you do to, you know, meet people. You know, I'd be doing that in spades, you know, the the period around that that those conjunctions. So that would be my advice. I'm very excited. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> and and if and let me know if something happens, you know, pop me an email or something and let me know if you actually did have a momentous relational or career event around that time. Oh, I'll be in touch. You'll be the first to know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll report it back on the show because I'm sure I won't be the only one who's curious I about that. Will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So um yeah, that's the main relationship, you know, trigger that's coming and it's coming really soon, but I don't see any others obviously jumping out at me that are saying relationship trigger apart from that. So um any other questions before we uh, put a wrap on this thing? Uh, no, I think I'm I'm more than satisfied. Thank you so much for okay. All your help, Benjamin. All right. All right, Mike, I want to give you one tiny piece of bonus information. I did look at your solar return that began on May 8th of this year, 2013, and it's ridiculously loaded in the 10th house. Um, it's also ridiculously loaded in Taurus, by the way. I've got, you know, the sun, of course, has to be in Taurus for your solar return because that's what defines it. But I have one, two, three, four, five, six other things in Taurus. <clears throat> that includes Moon, Mars, Mercury, South Node, Pallas Athena, and Venus, all in the sign of Taurus. And all of them except Venus are solidly in the 10th house. So you've got both luminaries in the 10th. You've got Mars in the 10th, uh, Mercury in the 10th. I mean, virtually every personal planet you've got is in the 10th house in the solar return. I ran this, by the way, for your birth city, Jacksonville, Florida. So if that isn't a incredible message of what a year for career oh my god so i mean that's wonderful 10th house do you um <laughs> as an astrologer do you lay it out to where um a house stands for us months and the year i do not break the solar return down that way i just view it as the template for the entire year instead oh. of moving things through the houses during the course of the year um i don't deny that there's information to be gained from that but my own predisposition is to keep things more on the simple side <laughs> but if you want to progress it that way yourself, you're surely welcome to. Um, the other message I'll briefly mention is there's a very tight T-square with Pluto, Uranus, and the planet Ceres, the asteroid goddess in there. As I mentioned earlier, Ceres is, uh, can relate to self-esteem and value whatever you value. So it's also a really good year to work on self-esteem. How much am I allowing others' opinions to shape my own opinion about myself and how much of it is coming from my own knowingness of who and what I am. 
Um, and of course, it, it's interesting too, the series lies in your 12th house in the solar return, which is the house of divine union. And, and I was just speaking a moment ago about how the more you awaken to the, the being that you really are, the pure beingness, the more self-esteem your ego possesses because you, you totally get that I am of infinite value because I am all infinity. <laughs> I am everything, you know, and your value becomes based on the core thing you are as the divine and not on anything your personality does or events that happen. So, so that's, that's another strong theme for the year. So, uh, beautiful. so <laughs> those are, those are the things that really looked important to me as I studied everything. So now any, any last questions or comments before we wrap it up? No, none at all. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Any last thoughts from you, Samantha, before we close the uh, consultation? Just that this arrived with divine timing and this was just a beautiful experience. Thank you for all your help. Oh, my great pleasure. It's been such a pleasure to work with you. And, uh, and I'll close to you with the things I say after I work with clients and they, they reach that beautiful state of being. So Samantha, stay awake. (laughs) 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 And thanks again for working with me here on the show. Thank you for having me. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just $15? Far more than you might expect, thanks to the Time Passages Natal Report. This is by far the best natal computer report I've ever seen. It provides an extraordinary depth of interpretation with a consistently positive tone. A computer report can never replace a human astrologer, but the Time Passages Natal Report will provide you with a wealth of insights into your natal chart can also serve as a great introduction to astrology or help anyone understand themselves better. I was amazed at how much I learned about myself from its insightful interpretations. The Time Passages Natal Report also makes a unique and affordable gift for all occasions. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Computer Reports from the drop-down menu. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just $15? Order your risk-free Time Passages natal report and find out. We're wrapping up another show. If you enjoy This Week in Astrology, please tell a friend or post or tweet about us or donate to support us at thisweekinastrology.com. You can link to our Facebook page and Twitter feed where I post daily forecasts every day. There's a significant astrological event from either thisweekinastrology.com or from astroshaman.com. You can listen to This Week in Astrology on your smartphone or tablet at stitcher.com. And if you're an iTunes listener, please do subscribe through iTunes and help us keep our status as the number one astrology podcast on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week... May the stars light your way. This Week in Astrology is copyright 2013 by Astro Shaman. All rights reserved, although rampant sharing of this podcast is encouraged. You can access my free comprehensive audio archive from thisweekinastrology.com. If you'd like me to illustrate the weekly forecast with your chart, please send me your date, time, and city of birth. Sending in your chart data also gives you a chance to win a free session with me every time the seasons change. I welcome your general astrology questions and comments about the show and your specific personal questions. Just send an email to info at astroshaman.com. 
I look forward to making you a part of This Week in Astrology. Here's this week's index. The overview begins at 1 minute 40 seconds, Monday, 3 minutes, Tuesday, 3.14, Wednesday, 4.43, Thursday, 8.32, Friday, 9.08, Saturday, 9.31, Sunday, 13.58, next week's transits, 14.48, announcements, 16.33, and our live listener consultation, 21.48. Thank you so much for listening to This Week in Astrology.